0: 1 Corinthians 12 15 through 19 says if the foot shall say because I'm not the hand I'm not of the body is it therefore not of the body if the ear shall say because I'm not the eye I am not of the body is it therefore not of the body if the whole body were an eye where were the hearing if the whole were hearing where were the smelling? but now hath God set the members every one of them in the body as it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? My title this morning is You Belong. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in this church today. God, I thank you for bringing us together into this place. God, I ask that you go with us through this remainder of this service. God, as we dig into your word, I ask that you that you bring your word to life in the hearts and minds of each and every person within my hearing and as far as my message may reach, your message may reach. God, I pray that everything that I say is inspired by you. God, that I share your word, not my word, but that I would share your word with these hearers. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I want to look at those... Verses 18 and 19, there again, momentarily. It says, But now hath God set every member, every one of them in the body, and hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? We all have different skills and talents. We all have different roles to play in God's kingdom. God has a unique, special calling on each and every one of our lives. God wants to use us all in different ways, in unity, in unity, together. There's an old saying that says, blossom where you are planted. God has brought you to where you're at. God has brought you to the place that you're in, and he wants you to blossom where you are planted, to To you know, you you think about a flower blossoming. And and a flower, if it had feelings, could get discouraged if it was just in the middle of a bunch of grass. Because it's not in the pretty flower bed. But if that flower would blossom in the middle of that field of grass, it would brighten up and add value to the plane. And in the same way, God has put you where you're at for a very specific purpose. And it's easy for us as humans to look around and go, well, I wish I had what they have. I wish I was a red tulip instead of a yellow tulip. I wish I was this. I wish I was that. And to start trying to compare ourselves to those around us. I wish I had what they have but that's not where God has placed you. God has placed you in a specific place for a specific purpose, to work together as a part of the body. I was thinking about an illustration of if if my left foot decided it wanted to be my right foot, what would that look like when I tried walking? (laughs) It would look like me walk with a broken foot. If my right hand decided it wanted to do what my left hand does, what would life look like? When when I'm at work I, you know, delivering packages, I hold my scanner in my right hand, and I hold boxes in my left hand. And the grip in my left hand from, from balancing and stabilizing boxes, those muscles have been trained in a different way than the hand I use to hold my scanner. And when it gets really cold outside and I want to switch mittens, I want to put my mitten on my right hand because I have to have my hand exposed to be able to use my scanner. And I put my mitten on my right hand to hold boxes, and I charge my scanner with my left hand. I drop and I fumble a lot of boxes because that's not what this hand is equipped for. But I don't break any of those boxes, just so we're clear. (laughs) And, And with my left hand, I run that scanner and it takes me a while because that thumb isn't trained to operate that scanner. We have to lean into our unique abilities and purposes. We can't get hung up on, I wish I was over there doing that instead. 1 Peter 2, 9 says, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, an holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. You are called by God for a special purpose in this world. Your purpose in this world was ordained by God. And you may feel insecure. You may wonder if you're doing the right thing, but you've got to lean back into what God wants to do with your life. God wants to use each and every one of us in the capacity in which we make ourselves available. When Paul was writing that scripture about us all function as a body and that each part has a part to play, he was really telling the the church in Corinth to be mindful to not get caught up in jealousy, to not to not wish you were doing what your brother was doing, but but to understand that you have a unique role to play. I started playing guitar again this week and I had to stretch my hand in ways I haven't stretched it in a long time. And it was uncomfortable. And I have the option of stretching through the uncomfortable or giving up. Because that's what that hand's role is going to be. We have to stretch through the uncomfortable and embrace what God wants to do in our lives. You look at the story of David when Samuel came to anoint him as the next king. God tells Samuel to go anoint the next king and so Samuel goes to the home, goes to the home of Jesse. And Jesse lines up his best and his brightest. All the boys are around except for David because David was in the field. And Samuel takes a look at this lineup of men. And 1 Samuel 16, 6-7 says, And it came to pass when they were come that he, Samuel, looked at Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. So Samuel looks at Eliab and goes, This man looks like he could be a king. Everything about him has everything that it would take to be a good, strong leader. He's tall, broad shoulders. He was was a strong-looking man. Excuse (laughs) me. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. The Lord had already refused Eliab. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Humans look at us and see us as our flesh, but God looks at our heart and God lifts us up in His timing. When people look at you, they may say disrespectful things to you or they may think you're all that in a bag of chips. Or you may look at somebody else and think that they've got it all together and that they've got everything. But what God is looking at is what is going on in a person's heart. God can use somebody who's got the heart set in the right place place he's not looking for the brightest he's not looking for the strongest he's not looking for the tallest he's looking for somebody that has their heart set on his work people may judge you or put you down because of what they see with their eyes but you're not living for them you're living for the approval of god what does god see when he looks in your heart When God looks down at my heart, what does he see? When you look at the book of Galatians, we see the works of the flesh and we see the fruits of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Is that what I have in my heart? Do I have love in my heart? Do I have joy in my heart? Do I have peace in my heart? Do I have long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith in my heart? Meekness and temperance? And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections of lust. If you are Christ and you've put yourself into Christ, you've crucified your flesh. But all of these words are also attributes of what God is. God is love, God is joy, God is peace. And when you fill your heart and you fill your life with God, this is what blossoms in your life. But when you scroll up a few verses, we see the attributes of self. Starting in verse 19, it says, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. You read through that, and you're like, so far, like... I'm clear. I've done none of that. But then you get into idolatry, putting things before God. Is there things in your heart that you prioritized above communion with God? Witchcraft, hatred, variance. Variance means being contrary. Fighting for the sake of fighting. Just being difficult. Do you have it in your heart to just be difficult? Emulations, comparing yourselves to others. Wrath, strife, fighting with people, seditions, heresies. Heresies is about creating division. All of these words are creating disunity, which is the opposite of what the body should be doing. The body needs to come together in unity. Envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. I love that, and such like, because, because people have a way of justifying things in their life. People can hear that whole list and go, well, what I'm doing sits right in the middle right here. Well, what I'm doing wasn't quite being talked about. I'm okay. But Paul just takes his big old sharpie, draws a big old circle, and says in everything that these words encompass, and the such like. These are the works of the flesh. A good litmus test is, am I doing this because it's what I want, or am I doing this because it glorifies God? Am I doing this because it makes me comfortable, or am I doing this because it glorifies God? God looks on our hearts. Being a Christian isn't about who we are in public. It is about your relationship with God. When you get the relationship with God right, and it's in your heart, and it's doing the right thing, it spreads out to those that are around you. Get God in your heart. When we go back to Samuel, and we continue reading, after samuel denies eliab then jesse calls abinadab and made him pass before samuel and he said neither has the lord chosen this one and jesse made shema to pass by and he said neither has the lord chosen this and again jesse made seven of his sons to pass before samuel and samuel said to jesse the lord hath not chosen these i'm thinking about samuel's role here where he's where he's come He's following the leading of the Lord and he gets there and, and he goes through all of Jesse's sons. He really thought the Lord told him to come anoint one of these sons king. And he goes through all of Jesse's sons and he goes, none of these. He probably felt a little defeated. But then he asks Jesse because he embraced what God was wanting to do and his, do, what God had told him to do. And he asked Jesse. He asked Jesse, is there yet another son? Are there any more children? And Jesse says, there may one yet the youngest, and behold, he's keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he comes hither. And he sent and brought him in. And, and with all the beautiful countenance and goodly looks, good to look to, the Lord said, arise and anoint him, for this is he." Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. David lived his life for God. What did David have that God wanted? David was a worshiper. David was consecrated. David was dedicated. David had given his life to aligning himself with God. And it was a heart that God was able to use. 1 Samuel 17, 26. David's just come out to the, he's just come out, brought food out to his brothers at war, as they're fighting the Philistines. And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine and taketh away with his reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that should defy the armies of the living God? I want to really look at these questions David was asking. He says, For who is he? What David said is, Who does this uncircumcised Philistine think he is to come curse Israel? David is asking, who does he think he is? David had understood who God was. He had his heart set on the things of God. He understood and yielded to what God wanted to do and said, this ain't gonna fly. First Samuel 17, 20 through 31 And Eliab, his older brother, heard when he spake unto the men. Eliab's anger was kindled against David and said, Why camest thou hither? Why? And with whom hast thou left thy sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and thy naughtiness of thine heart. For thou art come down, that thou mightest see battle. And David said, What did I do to you? And he turned from him and towards another and spake after the same manner. And the people answered him again in the former manner. And when the words were heard, which David spake, they rehearsed them before Saul. So they told Saul what happened. And David goes before Saul, and Saul tries talking him out of it. And Saul couldn't talk him out of it, but David goes to war with Goliath. Despite the whole world arguing with David, David wasn't trying to align himself with the things of this world. He wasn't trying to please those around him. He was trying to live as a piece of God's big plan. He had his heart set on doing God's work. Then said David to the Philistine, so Goliath, Goliath, you know, continues cursing Israel, says nasty things about David, but then David said to the Philistine, thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. The world will bring every kind of physical ailment against you, every kind of physical piece of whatever they can throw at you. But you've got to respond in the name of the Lord of hosts and of our God, because they cannot touch what God wants to do. And here it is in the day of the Lord, and this day will the Lord deliver thee into my hand. David didn't say, Today I'm going to beat you. He didn't say, today I'm going to kill you. He said, today the Lord deliver thee into my hands, and I will smite thee and take thy head from thee, and I will give thy carcass to the host of the Philistines this day, and to the fowls of the air, and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. David, as small as he was, as insignificant as he was, recognized what God wanted to do and recognized that what was going on wasn't right. And he rose up with some godly indignation and told that giant that they have no place cursing his God and that God is going to deliver him into his hand so that everybody would know that, that Israel that there is a God in Israel. It was all for the glory of God. We have to live our life for the glory of God, not for the glory of ourselves. So if you're ever feeling insignificant, if you're ever feeling insecure, or wondering if what you're doing is being noticed, those are natural feelings, but we can't get hung up on people's approval, on man's approval. 2 Corinthians 10, 12 through 13 says, we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves among themselves, are not wise. But we will not boast of things without our measure, but according to the measure of the rule which God hath distributed us, a measure to reach even unto you. The only approval I need in my life is the approval of God. Let's all stand. The music can come back. The only approval I need in my life is the approval of God. I don't care about man's approval. And I, I shouldn't say it like that because I, I do. There's a part of me that wants to have that approval for man. But it's a battle we have to fight. We have to push past. Is what I'm doing God's will for my life? Am I staying in relationship with God? Jesus went to the cross for you and for me to bring us into his family. Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice. And you belong in this family. You don't have to compare yourself to others. God didn't ask you to be anyone else. He asked you to be you. God didn't create me to be Leroy Williams. Lord knows I could never have that job. The Lord didn't create me to be an electrical engineer. I don't know how to do that. We all have a part to play we all have a purpose and when we're feeling insignificant or insecure we have to go back to understanding that Jesus loves you Jesus died on the cross for you Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice to bring you into his family what is God asking of you today God is calling all of us into a close relationship with him we don't have to carry our burdens anymore. 1 Peter five, six through seven says, "humble yourself therefore unto the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all of your anxiety upon him, for he careth for you. matthew eleven twenty eight through thirty says, "Come unto me all ye that are labored, all ye that labor, meaning exhausted." And are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. You shall find rest unto your soul, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. That yoke that he's referring to is what they would would put on an ox to pull a heavy load, to pull a burden. But Jesus is extending the offer to all of us. That hit, to take on his yoke, to take on his burden, to lay down our burdens that have us exhausted and to take on his burden, to give up our fleshly goals, to give up our fleshly desires, to stop carrying the pains and the hurts that we've got in our backs and take on his burden. What's his burden? The son of man is to come and to seek and to save that which was lost. The burden that God wants each and every one of us to take on is the burden of spreading the good news. The burden of spreading hope to this world. In a few moments, I'm going to open up these altars so we can all come together and pray. If you feel this morning that you really can't find your place in life or that you've allowed something to your heart that God doesn't love and you want to lay it down, then come down front and pray. Start by repenting for the things of this flesh that have maybe gotten into your heart. You can leave changed today. Lay it on the altar as a sacrifice. Lay your fleshly desires. Lay your hurt feelings down and accept the emotional healing that God wants to give you. Lay down your bitterness and accept the sweet presence of God. Lay down your hatred and accept forgiveness. And secondly, dedicate your life to God and ask him to help you to focus on what he wants to do in your life. We start by laying down self and then we're going to pick up Christ. Lay down what's in your heart that God might want to do. Or lay down what's in your heart of what you want and pick up what it is that God wants. Let's come to these altars and pray.